Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Let's find Acts chapter 20 and stand with me this morning. Acts chapter number 20. You're welcome, parents. You're welcome to go down there and, uh, and see where they are down in the club room. They're going to have a great time down there this morning. Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 28. With God's help, we'll finish up this message to pastors from the Apostle Paul to the Ephesian elders or the Ephesian pastors. And there's much for us to learn here today, so let's, let's give our hearts to it. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you. That's not literal wolves, but that's false teachers as we learned last week. Not sparing the flock. They're going to teach something other than the scriptures. They're going to teach man's opinion or a certain creed or tradition. And so they're going to enter into the flock. They're going to, they're going to not spare the flock. They're not going to have pity on the flock of God. They're going to devour them. Verse number 30, and of your own selves shall men arise. Sometimes there will be even people that gather together with you that would teach false doctrine, false, uh, false uh, thought processes. And so speaking perverse things, verse 30, to draw away disciples after them. And as we learned last week, these false teachers don't go out and win people. They, they steal people. They, they take people away. And so that's one of their marks. They always are looking to take others away, turn their thinking away from God. Verse, 32, uh, verse 31, therefore, what's that word, church? All right, they're to be alert. These pastors are to be alert. And remember that by the space of three years, I, Paul, cease not to warn everyone, night and day, with tears. I was taking the word and I was sharing it with you. I was preparing you for this day. Verse 32, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified, those that are set apart in Christ, those that the final place of their salvation in heaven, they're glorified, they're, they're made completely like Christ. He is able, his word's able. I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. I'm not one of those get-rich preachers, he says. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities by tent making and so on, and to them that were with me. I was generous. I've showed you all things, verse 35. How that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, let's read together, church, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him unto the ship. Father, thank you for this opportunity to open up your word. Lord, we respect your word as it is in truth. We believe firmly that this, this book that we have in our hands that we're looking on today is not just a story. It's not written by men. You used men to write it. But Lord, I thank you that it is the very revelation, the specific revelation of God. We receive it as authoritative. In the passage we just read, we recognize, Lord, that this is a, this is a narrative. This is a, a, a story. This is an, a historical account of something that really happened that you intend for us to know in 2022. So I pray that every person in this auditorium today would be looking at your word as it is in truth, that it is very truth, that we can depend upon it. And I pray that you would be our teacher today by your Holy Spirit, and that you would guide us, and that you would be exalted in this place, we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. So we're in this this last phase of this pastor's conference between Paul and the Ephesian elders. We've learned so much from the Apostle Paul as he shared his heart with these guys. We've learned Paul's philosophy that he is a, he is a servant of the Lord and he is a steward of the word. We've learned Paul's ministry path forward. He's not, on the, he's not a retiring, though he's on the last leg of his third missionary journey going back to Jerusalem. He's not retiring. He's going back by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He's going back by faith. The, the Holy Spirit's told him, hey, there's going to be some problems that arise there. You're going to have bonds and afflictions, but he's going back by faith. He's also going back to finish his course. He's not going to, he's not going to stop there. He's not to go find. A, a beach villa to hang out at he is going to continue on there in the service of the lord he just knew that he would no longer be able to see the ephesian elders there give us the map if you would so that we remind ourselves where the ephesian elders are they're down in miletus at this port city about 30 miles south of of Ephesus, so he's called him down there because he's on a voyage layover. It would be akin to him calling him to a Hilton hotel uh, a meeting room and a business room and saying, hey, let's have a meeting. So you can envision they're around a conference table, maybe not, maybe so. They're around a conference table hearing the Apostle Paul speak to them and encourage them in the work of the Lord. Hey, I'm not going to see you anymore, but I want you to go on. What's Paul doing? He's leading leaders. He's leading leaders. He's encouraging them. And by encouraging the pastors of the church of Ephesus or of that city of Ephesus, those churches that are spread out throughout there, he's going to encourage the whole church, which is going to encourage other people because they're going to lead people to the Lord themselves. And so it's going to be pretty, pretty amazing how God uses the influence of Paul in their life. So he's there. I showed you last week. I love this. He probably pulled into Lions Harbor. And there was, uh, it was named that because of these lying moorings uh, that the ships would, uh, would rope to and uh, anchor, uh, anchor off to. And so he'd probably pass by that, uh, that particular mooring, and, and he's there, he's teaching these guys. And we learned last week, his first message to them, his first part of his message was, guys, after all of I've said, I've shared my philosophy, I've shared what I'm doing going forward by the grace of God, but after all I've said, I need you to do this, I need you to pay attention. I need you to pay attention. I need you to pay attention, first of all, to yourselves. 
I need you to make sure that you're alert to yourselves. Pastoring's a 24-7 job. It isn't easy. It's not like any other calling. It is a, it is a weighty position. It is a work, as 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 1 says. It's a, it's a good work that God calls to. 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 12, Paul thanked God for giving him that work and for putting him into the ministry and says, guys, I want you to make sure that you're paying attention to yourselves, that you're not just preaching the word and doing another thing. I want you to pay attention to your health. I want you to pay attention to your vitality. I want you to pay attention to who you're focusing on. And so Paul's encouraging him, pay attention to yourselves, but then pay attention to the church over which the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer. That's a big responsibility. You didn't go there and you didn't go to a a job agency and say, I want to be a pastor of a church. That wasn't the idea. It wasn't something you sought out. The Holy Spirit put you in that position as a pastor there in Ephesus. And it's important that you take, uh, you take uh, ownership of this, this opportunity that God has given, that you, that you take the oversight thereof, that you engage in the work of the ministry, that you engage in the work of pastoring people. So he says, I want you to pay attention to the church. I want you to pay attention to the sheep. I want you to pay attention to the flock of God. I want you to be aware of the needs. I want you to be aware of the spiritual um, pitfalls. I want you to be aware of the sheep that are running the fence line and are, are, are looking out into the world and saying, you know what, I think it looks better out there. I think, I think I'd be more satisfied if I had a little bit more money and if I had that position and if I didn't really have the shackles of, of Christianity, as some people think. It's not shackles when you're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It's a blessed life. It's not a list of to-dos and don'ts. But so many times there's sheep that are running the fence line. And so Paul's saying, hey, I want you to watch out for those. I want you to corral them in. I want you to call them. I want you to text them. I want you to go visit them. I want you to have coffee with them in our, in our vernacular. I don't know if they even discovered coffee back then yet. It would have been a good thing, but uh, nonetheless, maybe tea. Um, but regardless, I want you to pay attention to the flock. There's so many things that, that threaten them. I want you to pay attention to the flock, but then pay attention to the enemy. There's false teachers that are going to come in. There's wolves that are going to come in. Why don't you pay attention? And so that might mean uh, these guys needed to, to, hey, meet up with somebody that's stirring up some false teaching in the church. They might need to point out some things. Hey, this is false teaching. Don't follow that way. Hey, this channel on YouTube or surfing YouTube for spiritual devotions isn't going to help you. Googling when you have a spiritual question, Google is not interested in your spiritual growth. Are you aware of that? Facebook is not the place to base your doctrine. It's not going to help you. I'm not saying get rid of all those things. I am saying if you're going there for your theology, you're in trouble. Well, I saw this one person posted, go to the Bible. Go to the Bible. So, there's things, wolves are entering in. By the way, it's really easy in this for wolves to enter in. Because there are so many imports into our life. There's so many avenues of entry of info into our lives. You say, I'm older, I don't do anything with that. That's fine. These people didn't have Facebook. These people didn't have all this technology, printed books as much. They had scrolls and so, so on. And there were still wolves that Paul had to warn them against. There's always been wolves and there's always been spiritual danger. So be aware. 
Make sure that your, your, your nose is in the book. And so they were to, to watch this and be aware of the trends, be aware of the doctrines. And by the way, I don't bring every doctrinal deviation to the pulpit. Why? Because the best way for you to be suited and, and, and fortified against the wolves is to know the truth. And sometimes, as we, as we think about the, 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 the preaching of the Word, and we're going to touch on this in a little bit, as we think about the preaching of the Word, do you understand that it's the whole counsel of God that will fortify you? So don't, don't, get a, don't get enamored with the different preachers out there that are preaching pop series, that you know, have a clever um, preaching series, and you know, we have four weeks in this, and, and on this topic, and this topic, whatever's kind of the, the bubbling topic out there, we'll preach on that popular topic. So listen, what happened to preaching the whole counsel of God? Taking a book and going through it like we're going through the book of Acts. You say, well, you know, sometimes that can just get boring. It can get laborious. I wish pastor would get on this subject or that subject. You know what? God knows the subject you need. And I've been amazed how many times God will, will come to a passage of Scripture and it happens to be what the church needs at that point. So I am delighted to be in this passage of Scripture because I know, I know of a certainty that this morning God is going to meet spiritual needs in our hearts if we're open to it. I believe that with all of my heart. And so Paul says, watch out. Hey, watch over the flock. There's wolves that are going to come in. And, and he says later on in um, um, Philippians, he says, hey, beware of dogs. Beware of dogs. What is he talking about? Those that would come in to devour. Beware. Don't allow the philosophies of the world to creep in. So Paul is giving all that. So that we covered last week. Pay attention. Let's say that all together. Pay attention, all right? I want you to say this to me, uh, it, seeing that this was given to pastors. Pastor, pay attention. That's my responsibility, and I want to do that to the best of my ability, and I thank you all for praying, even over this last week, that I would pay attention to myself, to the flock, and to the enemies that, that, that threaten the flock, all right? And so that's pay, pay attention, guys. Pay attention, pastors. But what else are they supposed to do? I want you to realize Paul is about ready to get on the ship, and he's not going to see them again. And so this is a little bit of a, a heavy gathering. Uh, do you like saying goodbye? hard to say goodbye and so some did i just hear someone say sometimes <laughs> i love that someone was just straight up honest right there all right how many of you agree with that person whoever said that all right sometimes i like to say goodbye okay I, I i get it i hope that is not the case today whoever said that i hope that you do not want to say goodbye as you're leaving today but nonetheless uh, it is hard to say goodbye sometimes, and it's weighty. In this case, you'd never see them again. And so Paul, there's a burden on his heart, and there's a burden on their hearts. You can see it in their eyes. And so Paul says, hey, guys, pay attention. This was by far the most, uh, the most direct confrontational part of his message to these guys. Pay attention, guys. God has given you a, a flock to feed. Feed them. Shepherd them. Give them the word feed them. Do the whole work of shepherding, rounding up the, um, the flock, bringing them in, encouraging them, guarding them, do the whole work. But I want you to notice what he says secondly in verse number 32. Look at it with me and I want you to read the first uh, little phrase together. And now, brethren, I commend you to God. Read that out loud with me. And now, brethren, I commend you to God. I want you to know what Paul's saying to them. He says, guys, pay attention. Pay attention. God's given you a good work. But I want you to know this. Remember, God has you. 
Remember, God has you. He says, brethren, uh, family, part of the family of God, I commend you to God. I entrust you to God. I put you in the care and the protection of God. Now, isn't that really great? Can you imagine as you leave today, as you just look to another uh, fellow believer, you can't go with them and you can't protect them, but I commend you to God. I entrust you to God's safekeeping. I entrust you to God. What a, what a wonderful, reassuring thing to say. I commit you. I commit you to them. Uh, this word is used over in 1 Peter 4 and verse 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit, entrust the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So there, those that are suffering persecution are to say, I'm entrusting my soul to God. Here, Paul is saying to these, these pastors, I commend you to God. This isn't a commendation. This is an entrusting to God. Guys, I want you to remember this. God has you. Now, this really speaks to Paul's view of himself because Paul did not uh, try to hold on to them. If you have me, you have everything. If you have me and if I'm still with you, I can protect you. I can keep you safe. I can help you to make the right spiritual steps. No, he didn't do that. I commend you to God. He did not commend them to another preacher. He says, I commend you to God. I commend you to God. He didn't give them a book and say, here's this. If you'll follow this, this will keep you on, on, on track. No, I commend you to God. I commend you to God. Friends, the fact is, no matter how perceptive a pastor is, no matter how knowledgeable a pastor is or how much energy a pastor has, he cannot be with you all the time. And your faith does not rest in your pastor. Your faith better rest in God himself. By faith you stand, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the end of the first chapter, Paul's telling the Corinthian believers, you guys are all, all out of whack because I didn't come to you in time. I didn't make that visit in time. I, I wasn't there for you at that point. I'm a helper of your faith. But listen, you better remember, by faith you stand. It's in your, uh, your faith in God that you stand and have your being and so on. So Paul did not entrust them to another human, but to God. God has you. And with God, you'll be just fine. Do you believe that this morning? With God, you will be just fine. Mm. Now, how in the world would that be true? These guys are going to go back to Ephesus. Paul's going to go to Jerusalem. They're not going to see each other. They, their faith, uh, they, they came to faith through the leadership of the Apostle Paul. He'd been with them three years. He, he, had, he had borne his heart with him. He had he'd shared tears with them. He loved them. They loved him. They traveled 30 miles, not by car or bullet train, but they traveled 30 miles, probably on foot or some creature, to meet up with the Apostle Paul. Wow, they loved, uh, loved him. How was it that they're going to be just fine with God? How was it that God has them? I want you to notice verse number 32. Look at, uh, look at it with me. It says there, Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the, what's the next four words? Word of his grace. Word of his grace. Tell me, what is that, friends? Lift up your Bibles. Paul says, I, I'm entrusting you to God and to his revelation. You know, if Satan can attack this, if he can get you to believe that this is just written by man, he really does great destruction. There are believers who say, I believe the Bible, I believe what Jesus said, I believe that he came and died for our sins, but I don't believe that whole account about creation. 
I, I, think, I think it all happened. We just all came, came to be. There's parts of the Bible, I believe, but not others. You know, if Satan can get you to doubt the, on the total truth of the Word of God, he can really wreak havoc in your life. Paul says, I commend you to, the, to God and to the Word of His grace. I entrust you to the Word of God. I entrust you to the Word of God. I entrust you. This week, I trust and entrust you that as you get in your word, in the word of God, your copy of the scriptures, God will do a work in your life that I cannot do. That he will do the work. And I entrust you, and he says, I entrust you to the word of God. Now, I want you to look at this. Which is able to build you up? Say that out loud with me. Which is able to build you up? We cannot get past that word able. You know what able means? The idea there is that it is sufficient. It is sufficient. Now, what Paul is dealing with is these guys. They're mourning that he's leaving, but what he is saying, God and his word that he's given you is sufficient. It is sufficient to give you everything that you need. Every step, spiritual step forward that you need to take, every um, step of growth, every victory you need to have, everything that you need in life is found in the word of God. And God's people said, amen. Now, it's one thing to say amen to that. It's another thing to believe that in your heart and to run to the, your Bible rather than running to, uh, to post to somebody and saying, hey, I got this problem, whatever. To run to the Bible when you have a need. What an amazing thing he's saying. The sufficiency of the scriptures is being highlighted here. It is all about God's word. So he entrusts them to God and his word. And you know what I find here? Just the simplicity of Paul's ministry to them. Well, you need this, this, and this. You need to read this author and listen to this podcast and go to this YouTube channel and um, be at this place. And No, 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 no. God and his word. And you'll be okay. God has you. How so? God has given you his word. God has given you the revelation that is able to build you up. It is able to form you up spiritually. So here's the fact. These guys were believers. These people had placed faith in Jesus Christ. You say, how do you, how do you, how do you know for certain that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life? How do you know that you'll spend eternity in heaven? How do you know that you are saved? How do you know that you will not go to hell? How do you know these things? Well, the Bible says, Acts 16 and verse number 31, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. It's not your works plus believing in Jesus Christ. It's not going to church, being baptized, uh, going through rituals plus Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ alone. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you're getting to heaven because you're a good person, you'll be able to, and if that could actually happen, you'll be able to go through heaven's avenues and say, hey, I'm here because I didn't, I didn't knock that person off when I really felt like it. Pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm here because of me. Why are you here? <laughs> I was better than you. There will be no boasting in God's presence. Every single person in heaven will say, I'm here because Jesus died for my sins. That is why we go to heaven. And when we receive that, there's many who push that off and say, nope, I'm going to maintain my own goodness. Friends, your goodness is not the currency of heaven. The currency of heaven is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you intend to go to heaven and stand before God and get in on your goodness, you will, you will find it that day. He will say, depart from me, I never knew you. 
And that is something we do not want for you, and that's why I would say that today. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is your faith responding to the message of the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. I accept what you did for me at the cross, your total work at the cross, your death, your burial, and your resurrection. I accept it for me. I place faith in that. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin and to give me eternal life. And he says, I do. All right, let's quote John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. How many of you know you're saved this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. And if you don't, today's the day. Today's the day. Let this be the day of salvation. So he's saying to them, listen, the sufficiency of scriptures, I'm leaving you to God and to his word. The word, the same word that saved you is able to build you up to take the foundation of salvation and add to your faith, add to your faith in Jesus Christ, virtues that are able to make you more Christ-like. And so says, I, I, I'm trusting the word of God to build you up. This is spiritual formation. I'm trusting the word of God and God himself to take you from being a baby Christian to being a mature Christian, to build you up in your faith, to give you meekness, to give you gentleness, to give you joy, to give you peace, to give you love, all these different things, to give you victory in your Christian life, spiritual formation. He's going to build you up. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, according as his divine power hath given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge, through the knowledge of him that have called you to glory and virtue. Who's called you? Jesus Christ has. So we are built up as we get to know Jesus Christ more. How do we get to know Jesus Christ? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And to grow in your faith, to be built up in your faith, is to get to know the author of this book, Jesus, um, Jesus Christ. He is the Word, the living Word, and He will change your soul. And so Paul says, I'm leaving you, I'm trusting you to the Word that is able to build you up, to spiritually form you. Listen, you cannot attend enough services, you cannot attend enough preaching for this to happen as God intended. He wants this to be happening every single day of your life. We believe in individual soul liberty. You have the responsibility, especially in this day. Not every believer back in that day had a copy of the Word of God. We do. We do. They were still to meditate on it every single day. But we do. How much more accountable to God are we? So Paul says, this is what's going to build you up. This is what's going to spiritually form you. But he says also, and to give you an inheritance among them, all of them that are sanctified. What's the picture here? He's saying it's going to take you all the way to the point of completion. So we're saved. We're being sanctified, right? We're being set apart from sin. We're being made more like Jesus Christ since the day of salvation. And there's one day that we'll be glorified in his presence. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you don't die before the coming of the Lord, you, uh, uh, you will look forward to that, that day when he raptures us. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be changed. We'll be made like him. We'll be glorified. That's the final step of our salvation when we're in his presence, free from not just the penalty and the power of sin, but the, the presence of sin. No more sin. No more temptation. The tempter will be banished. We'll lay our burdens down, the songwriter says. What a day that that's going to be. And so it's an amazing thing. He says, the Bible, the word of God is able to 
spiritually form you, it's able to set you apart to be more like Jesus Christ, to grow you in Christ's likeness, and it's able to bring you all the way to the day when you receive the inheritance of being there in heaven with all the saints. That's amazing. So what Paul's saying, you don't need me to get from point A to point B. You have God and you have his word. That's a blessing, friends. You cannot blame, you cannot blame one person in your life for where you are spiritually. Now, there are people that are helpers of our, our spiritual growth. I understand that. And there's people that hurt us. But if you keep going back and looking at, well, that preacher or that Christian or that person really hurt me. No, you have God and you have his word. You have everything you need for spiritual growth. We live in a victim, a victim mindset day. It's not the way, right way to say it, but you catch my, my, the idea. We live in a, a day where there's just all sorts of victimhood being put down, our, put down our throat. You're a victim of this. Everyone's a victim of something. As Christians, you have responsibility before God. You're accountable before God. And you have God by the presence of his Holy Spirit in your life, if you're a believer. You have his word. And it is able to take you from the point of salvation to the point of standing before the Father in heaven and to prepare you for that. What a great privilege that we have today. What a wonderful blessing that we have. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God, that the woman of God may be perfect, mature, truly furnished unto all good works. It's what you need. Did you have time in the word this week? Did you meditate in the word this week? Is there something that you've carried with you from your time in the word this week that built you up and made you more Christ-like? Is there a verse of scripture or a truth from the word of God that as you got into work and you, had, you faced a scenario that you remembered the word of God and you, you made a different choice because of your time in the word? Is the word of God being allowed to be in your life? It is what Paul says. I entrust you to God and to his word. How's God going to take care of you? How are you going to be all right? God's given you his word. And God's given you his word. We don't have an excuse, friends. God's given us his word that can take us from point A to point B. We've all been disappointed by people, no doubt. But God's given you his word. You have enough. God has you. That's what he's telling these Ephesian believers. Listen, God has you. And I love the summary of Philippians 1 and verse number 6, being confident of this very thing, that he, mm, that he, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Essentially, that's what Paul's saying to these guys. You have God in his word, and the same God that started this work in you, this great, grand work of salvation in you, is the same God that's going to bring you all the way to the end. You're not going to miss out. God will bring you to the end. Praise the Lord. Just because I'm leaving doesn't mean you're going to miss out. And so I want us to realize a believer who will prioritize the receiving of the word through reading, through preaching, every avenue we can, and responding to that word will be a growing, healthy Christian. You're going to be a growing, healthy Christian as you receive the word, as you respond to the word, and that's what Paul's saying to them. Listen, I've given, you the, I've given you the word of God. I've pointed you in this direction. I'm entrusting you to it. You have what you need. Now, here's something we have going on in, in, in our culture. We've gotten so focused on, on, uh, on different things, different programs uh, that, that meet our 
spiritual needs. And so uh, I want us to think about this. Uh, have you gotten to the place where God's word is not sufficient to meet your spiritual needs? Sometimes we have people, I, I got to have this person. I have to have this person. If this person dies, then I'm going to go off. I can think it was a Joash in the Bible that he did right as long as the priest was alive, Hilkiah was alive. Am I right about that? There's a person, God was not enough for him in his mind. He did right as long as he had a spiritual influence in his life. Are you the type of person that, that you do well as long as there's someone spiritually checking up on you? Or is the word of God enough? We live in a day where we are adding to the sufficiency of the word of God. We need flashy programs. We need a, 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 an exciting church environment. We need more than the word of God. You know, we just learned in, on, on Sunday school class growth groups about George Whitfield, who preached the word to 80% of America heard him. 80% of America, how did he do it? He traveled on a horse, his pulpit in a wagon, and he would get to a town, he'd set up his foldable pulpit, and he'd preach the word. You know, that was enough for those people to come to Christ and to grow in their faith. The word of God. Have you allowed in your life this mindset that I need something more than the word of God to make me spiritual or to have victory. I need something else other than the word of God. Friends, Paul was upholding the sufficiency of the word. God has given you the word. You have enough. Sometimes we think, well, my felt needs, the needs that I have, the, all these needs need to be addressed and they need to be spe you know, specific topics addressed or do I just need the word of God? Do I need the word of God and allow it to work in my life? Friends, I'm telling us, the word of God is sufficient. If God should move you from this place and you go looking for another church, you look for a church that opens up the Bible. One of the good ways you can tell a church that's going to preach the Bible is when the preacher gets up to the pulpit and says, all right, open up your Bibles too. And the Bibles stay open through the whole sermon. Have you ever been in a church where there's a verse read, and then the Bible is closed and the preacher's notes take preeminence? Friends, it matters. I'm not enough for you. God's word is. There's no possible way to, for sermons to be crafted enough to give you what you need. God's word is enough and it is, it is sufficient for us. And Paul's saying that, listen, you have it in the word of God. We have constant, constant distraction away from the word of God. And, 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 and we even see that in church life and how I'm just trying to reorient us back to the word of God is sufficient. A couple weeks ago, Miss, uh, uh, Miss uh, Wall, uh, Laverne Wall, told us on, on, about these, these Zimbabwe Christians that they would gather together and they would want three, and th uh, three sermons or two sermons on a Sunday. They'd walk four hours to be there together as a church. They'd sing together. And then they would, uh, they would have baptisms with an uh, alligator-infested waters. I think I have that right, right? Crocodile. Um, pretty amazing, but what really stood out to me is they, they just expected to be together and around the Word of God for five and six hours. Do we need more than the Word of God? Do we need air conditioning? Do we have to have pews? Do we have to, do we have, to have all the comforts of life? Do we have to have all the cushions of life in order to be what God wants us to be? Do we have to have certain people? It's why I keep on mentioning uh, in, in this place because I think sometimes we get person-oriented 
what happens if I'm not here next week? Right? We get so person-oriented. I, I need this. Paul says, no, you have God and you have his word. You have enough. It's sufficient. It is what God has designed for you. And so we must get back to the word of God. Colossians 2 and verse number 6. As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walking in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Get back to the word, Colossian believers. That's what you need. That's what you need. So maybe this week you need to fall in love again with the Bible. Maybe this week some three-by-five cards or your lock screen needs to have the Word of God on it. What is it that you need to do to show that you trust the sufficiency of the Word of God to bring you from point A to point B? Are you interested in getting from point A to point B? I'm saved now. I can just live my life. No, 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 no. Jesus wants you to follow him. The last words of John chapter 21 are, follow me. Follow thou me. He wants you. So God gave them his sufficient word. But I want you to notice that he also gave the apostle Paul to them for three years. So it's not to negate the, the influence of the apostle Paul. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear without a what? Preacher. God uses preachers. The word is sufficient. We aren't put our faith in men. We are to put it in the word of God. And God had given them not just his word, but God had gifted them with an equipper. Paul reminded them of how he had equipped them, verse 33 through 35. I've coveted no man's uh, silver or gold. Uh, these hands have ministered unto my necessity through tent making and so on. I have showed you all things. Say that with me. I have showed you all things. That's a pretty bold statement. I've showed you all things. But Paul had been, been deliberate about showing them what to do about sharing the word of God with them, about showing them how to live life. He had, he had demonstrated it with his, both his instructions and also with his example. Paul had shown them what to do. He says here, I, I told you, and by my life, don't covet. Don't covet. I was reading in Jeremiah yesterday, in Jeremiah chapter 6, that God had looked down on his people Israel and he'd realized that the whole, from the, the least to the greatest, were full of covetousness. You know, one of the matters in the New Testament that Paul, that the Lord told us, hey, you're not to keep company with those that are covetous. There's actually, there's actually supposed to be some church reaction to those that are living a covetous life. It's a very big deal. God says don't be covetous. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. So he says, I've not coveted. I've shown you that in my life, verse 33. I've worked hard. When there wasn't the support, I, I worked hard. I, I made tents, and I was also generous with what God had given me. I gave it to others, and I, I, gave, I gave it away. I wasn't all about me. I gave it away, verse number 34. And so he says, I want you to as well. Remember my example, work hard, but be generous like Jesus said to us to be. Be generous, verse number 35. Say it with me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul was just saying, listen, I've showed you all things. I've showed you what you need. Don't covet work hard, be generous. And that affects a lot of our lives. But Paul told the Ephesian believers in his epistle to them in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 12, and he gave some apostles, that's what Paul was, 
those that had witnessed the, the life and the, uh, uh, of Jesus and his resurrection. Paul was an apostle born out of due time because he saw him on the road to Damascus. He says, I've given some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors, teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So Paul was just saying to them, God has given you an equipper. God allowed me to be with you for three years to share the word of God, to point you in the right direction, to help you to realize the word of God's sufficient. God gave me to you. God gifted the Ephesian church with, with, uh, with me. And this wasn't about propping up Paul. He's just saying, listen, God's given you. He's equipped you, you with what you needed. By the way, a little later on, would not Paul's son in the faith, Timothy, be able to come in and be the pastor there in, in Ephesus? And others pastored there. What a blessing it was that God had blessed them and gifted the church with a, with a pastor. And these men were now gifts to the church. But as Paul was a gift to the Ephesian church, and he's saying, listen, God's given you what you needed. Take advantage of all that you learned in my life. Take advantage of me having shown you all things. Don't devalue that. Take advantage of that. Don't elevate me above God's word, but God did give me three years with you. What a blessing. Sometimes I think we can take for granted life is just going to go on. In the past couple of weeks, um, been involved with people that are just four and six years older than me, passing on. Different scenarios. But it just makes me realize that every day is a gift. Every day is a gift. And we just take for granted that life is just going to go on. But we'll just be here tomorrow. Not necessarily the case. Maybe these people from time to time, oh, Paul's here and he's here and he's here. And oh, now he's going. Paul says, hey, listen, God gave you an equipper. Why is this important? God had you and he has you. He's given you himself, his word, and he gave you an equipper. And now it's time for a season change. But God still has you. He still has you. And so let's not take for granted even uh, the equipping that God has given us. God has gifted the church. Here, he's given you a pastor. We're all praying for Pastor Shaw in the church over there in Fairmont, are we not? They don't have a pastor. I can think of churches as I've talked with the interns. That, uh, I hear about 14 churches like ours in, in Wisconsin that don't have pastors. Right? There's churches all over that are looking for pastors. We're gifted. Not because of me, because God has gifted the church with a pastor. Praise the Lord. Let's not take it for granted. Let's be equipped. Let's be engaged. Let's lean in like Paul did. I'm, I'm serving him and I'm leaning in. Let's, let's desire to be equipped. Where does the, much of that equipping happen? Yes, in the gathering. Through COVID, I was painfully aware when I was preaching to that camera back there for those 70 days, I was painfully aware that there was something deeply missing from the life of the church. I could preach a sermon, walk out, and there was no sense of connection with the people. There's just no sense. It was just like, well, shared that burden, but I don't know how it affects them. I couldn't see the faces. I, I, I couldn't see how it was affecting. And the, the gifting really was very much hindered from happening. The, the considering one another between us and from me to you, it's just, it, 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 it wasn't there. I, I couldn't tell whether someone just hit the, the mute button 
which probably was a nice thing to do. All right, it's time for lunch. Mute. All right. But there wasn't the ability to, to connect, the, to, to, to fully function in the gifting. So thankful, and we realized and we learned as a church that you can't put church inside of an electronic box. And I still call on those that may still be waiting to come in. The pandemic is beyond us. It's time to come back to church. Give your fear to the Lord, all your anxiety, all your care, come back to church. Sickness is always going to be a part. So this matter of being equipped, they needed to listen to Paul. Now Paul wasn't going to be there to lead outreach. Paul wasn't going to be there to preach the sermon. Who was going to do it? They were. Were they going to train others? Were others going to be equipped? Were others going to be willing to engage and lean into the ministry? Listen, you cannot be engaged and equipped if you're not present. Well, I just got a hangnail today. Got a little... (laughs) Can't be equipped. Oh, I know the church gathers for soul winning, but you know what? Um, You know, not me. Can't be equipped. The best best equipping is on-the-job training. But so many people, I got other things to do. I got... Listen, are you being equipped by your equipper? Are you allowing God to equip you? Well, I'll tell you, when God moves an equipper beyond, when Paul moved Paul on, when God moved Paul on, I can just imagine these guys, oh man, I wish I would have taken better notes. Wish I would have been there more and been more engaged. Don't be that way. Allow God's gifting to this church to function. Let's be equipped. And so Paul says, God has you. He's given you his word, and he's gifted you with an equipper. Enjoy that. Uh, Let God use that in your life. Are you one like these, these men? Are you one that has allowed God to equip you through the ministry of the pastor so that the church can continue on regardless of the pastor's presence? So here these guys are. Boy, what weight. This is the last time we see Paul. Man, we're to pay attention. God does have us, praise the Lord. But boy, how do you end a meeting like this? How do you stop? Verse 36, would you look at it with me? And when he had spoken thus, he, Paul, kneeled down. He kneeled down. Now this is really, just really elementary, just right off the surface here. But you want us to see what Paul was saying to these guys? Pay attention. God has you. How encouraging that is. Mm, How encouraging that is. No matter the presence of Paul, God has you. Guys, let's pray. Oh, that's too simple. No, let's, let's pray. Paul didn't make a big deal about it. He just kneeled down. According to the word, just kneeled down. What is Paul showing? First of all, his reverence to Almighty God, to his Savior, and to the one that put him in ministry. Reverence. We've lost a sense of reverence in this day. Kneeling is a posture of body that reflects a posture of the heart. Uh, can we pray standing up? Some of you aren't sure. Is he asking me a trick question? Yes. Can we pray sitting down? Can we pray lying on our back? Yeah, we can pray in many different postures, but listen. There is something about kneeling before our God. Do you remember Solomon when he was dedicating the temple? 
they had built a platform, and he was up on this platform so all the people could see. You remember how he prayed? He's a king. But kneeling down, he postured himself before God. Kneeling down. And friends, it's amazing to me to see the humility and the, the respect Paul had towards God. He said in a prayer that we've gone through on Wednesday nights, Ephesians 3 and verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by, faith, and by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations, which is your glory for this cause. Because I don't want you to faint. I don't want you to be weary in well-doing. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this reason, I, I bend down in prayer and I, I pray for you because I don't want you to, I don't want you to be, uh, be uh, sidetracked by my affliction, my imprisonment. I want you to go on. So I'm kneeling before the maker, the only one that can make a difference in your life. Wow. So Paul just demonstrates his reverence towards God. Kneeling is connected to worship. We find when John knelt down before the angel in Revelation 19, verse number 10, he says, no, 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 don't, don't reverence me. Get up, get up, I'm just like you. I'm just a servant of God like you. It's connected to worship. I'm thankful we all have an appointment. Everyone in this room has an appointment to kneel down before Almighty God. Whether you acknowledge him as God now in your life or not, you and I will kneel down. The Bible says, Philippians 2 and verse 9, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name. By the way, his name is above every superstar in America, every president in America, every figure, powerful figure in America. He's given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and of things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, you've either acknowledged that here or you will acknowledge that one day. There it will be too late. Now you have time to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is who God said he was, the only Savior of the world. You say that's narrow. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We will bow before him. Do you reverence God? Have you reverenced Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God that takes away your sins? Have you reverenced him? We've lost a sense of reverence for God in America. We can say what gender we are. How arrogant. Now I realize there's a lot of problems that go on, there's a lot of struggles that go along with that, but God created male and female. And we have a whole nation that says, we don't care what God says or how God created me, we can say what we are. We can redefine marriage. We can do all these different things. Thumbing our nose in God's face. A high brazen hand against God. We've lost the fear of God in America. And friends, part of that is because the church has lost the fear of God. We, d we don't fear his word. We don't reverence his word like we once, once did. Revival brings a fear, a reverence of God's word again puts it in its rightful place. God's word becomes authoritative in our lives. We accept it as such. And so we reverence celebrities. We reverence sports. You know, as I, as I get around and invite people to church and even deal with God's people in this matter, I find that there's so much reverencing of other things other than God. God told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and yet we reverence, well, I got to get to this game. I got to get to this job. I got to get here. I got to get there. And we reverence so many other things other than God. We put other things in front of God. 
not just in the assembly, but in our own hearts. In our own hearts where we reference other things beyond God. I got to listen to this voice rather than the word of God. Are you referencing God? Matthew 4 and verse number 10, Jesus responding to Satan who tempted him to worship or reference something else. Get thee thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Wow. Oh, that we'd return to a reference of God. And Paul demonstrated just in his kneeling down, I've referenced God in front of these preachers. I've referenced God. But what else did Paul note here? And it says in verse number 36, and prayed with them all. I want us just to think about Paul's rest in God. He's leaving. His heart is hurting. But yet he just kneels down in reference to God and rests in God's care for them. He entrusts them to God. How? He prayed with them. I'm giving them to you, Lord. Now, the Holy Spirit didn't opt to give us the prayer in specific, but based out of his heart, what he just said, can you imagine the Apostle Paul saying, Lord, Father, I commend these, my friends, my co-workers in the Lord, these that you've led out of darkness into your marvelous light, I commend them and trust them to your keeping. Lord, my heart is here with them. I don't want to leave, but I know you can care for them. Can you hear the Apostle Paul just praying and giving them over to the Lord, he rests in God. Friends, prayer is is a declaration of your dependence upon God. And so when you stop and pray and say, God, I don't have the ability to deal with this situation. I don't know what to do. I can't affect change here, but I'm asking you to undo the work. You know what you're saying? I rest in you. I rest in you. Some of you have some things that you need to get on your knees about before God and rest in him. Well, if I could just get to this person, they could help me. No. If you can just bow before your maker and pray to him and put it in his hands, who knows what God will do in that situation. Isn't that amazing? So he rests in God through his prayer. He rests, and they all wept sore. He prayed, and he supplicated. He specifically prayed for them is the idea. He prayed for their strength to go on. Uh, One man said, prayer girds human weakness with divine strength. It turns human folly into heavenly wisdom and gives to troubled mortals the peace of God. We uh, we know not what to pray. uh, We know not what prayer can do. Spurgeon said it that way. And so I just, I say, you know, you're struggling. You're wrestling with a problem. Pray. Rest in God as Paul did here. Now, they were very much sorrowing. They were distressed is the idea of the word. But it's a beautiful scene as we see them all kneeled down there. The church leaders there in Miletus kneeled down. God, we rest in you. In fact, uh, it was Jim Elliott and his four other friends that uh, before they left, they, they prayed to go, um, to go meet the Aka Indians before their death. But one of the songs they sang is we rest on thee and in thy name we go. We rest on thee. We rest in you. Paul, I'm going to Jerusalem and I rest in you, Lord. I rest in you. How beautiful it is when across this auditorium we're praying together. We're resting in the Lord. We're demonstrating that in prayer. R.A. Torrey said when the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did, for he knows that his day in that church or in that community is at an end. Ephesus would go on. Yeah, Ephesus would have problems just like we have problems as a church. We're people. 
Ephesus would lose its first love in Revelation chapter 2. They would struggle in, in the, re, the vitality of their relationship with God. But here they are, these leaders of the, the believers there back in the, uh, in the churches throughout on the city of Ephesus, they're kneeling and resting in God. God, we need you. We need you. And so Paul gives this message to the Ephesian pastors. Pay attention, guys. Pay attention to yourself, to the church, to the enemy. Remember, God has you. I'm leaving, but God has you. You have his word. You can make it. You can make it. He's given me three years with you as an equipper. Remember those things that I've taught you. Let's pray, guys. Let's pray. And through his, through his example, just led them right to the throne of God, who was going to be able to help them. And so today... As we come to the end of this time in this pastor's conference, peeking inside of this pastor's conference, let's end with prayer. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Let's commit ourselves to him. Let's commit one another to him. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. Let's bow our heads and uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I would that we'd have an attitude of prayer here. All this applies to each one of us because at the end of the day, Pastors are merely people with a specific calling. And you may not be a pastor, but all of this can be applied into your life. Pay attention to yourself. How's your walk with God? How's your walk with one another? How's your walk with your spouse? Remember, God has you. You don't know what I'm going through. No, God has you. And you have all that you need in the Word of God to get you from point A to point B. And in all things, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's take it to God and rest in Him. Let's reverence God as bigger than the problem. And let's take it to Him. I want to ask this morning, how many of you are certain that, that when you die, because of your placing faith in Jesus Christ, you know that when you die, you will spend an eternity with God in heaven. You know that you're saved. You know that you're on your way to heaven, that heaven's your home. You know that in your heart because of what you've done according to the word of God. You've believed in Jesus Christ, not believing in your works. You've believed in Jesus Christ. You know for certain that you're saved and on your way to heaven, that you have eternal life. You could say with an upraised hand, Pastor, I do know that for certain. All across the auditorium, you know that for certain. Amen, so many of you. And put your hands down. I noticed some that weren't able to raise their hand. I'm not going to point you out in any way. My point is not to embarrass. But I am very much concerned that you know where you're going to spend eternity because you don't know if you have the rest of the day. You don't know if you have tomorrow. And if you should die before this day is out, I do not, and this church does not, want you to spend an eternity in hell. That's not what God designed you for. He wants you in his presence. He wants you to be reconciled. You say, Pastor, I don't know for certain that I'd spend eternity in heaven when I die, but I'd like to know. I'd like to know that. Friend, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a second, and I'll promise you this. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you in a way, but I would like to pray for you in a general prayer. Is there anyone like that this morning? I don't know for certain that when I die, I'll spend eternity in heaven. I don't know for certain that my sins are forgiven. Would you raise your hand? Amen. Anyone else? I don't know this for certain, but I'd like to. Give one more moment. 
Let's pray together. Believers, I'm going to invite you to do this like they did. I'm going to invite you, if you're physically able to, find your knees before God all across the auditorium. I'm going to pray for those that believe they need to come to Jesus Christ. They don't know for certain. I'm going to also pray for us as believers. Physically able, let's reverence God in this auditorium today. Our Father, as we bow before you on bended knee, we do just pray for those that don't know you as Savior and have indicated that. We pray that you would make your word plain to them. They would receive you today that you would gloriously welcome them into your family by faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for the believers here today, those that have placed faith in you. Lord, Paul commended them to your safekeeping, to you as the God of the universe and to your word. Lord, this morning we confess that far too many times we elevate so many other words above your word. We listen to the news and we we exist in fear and fright. We listen to the economists and we elevate the word of an economist over you. You told us that if we would seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, that all these things shall be added unto you, that we didn't need to fear and we didn't need to worry about what we would eat or what we would wear. For our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we even ask. And yet, Lord, we, we hear the economists of the day and all the inflation, and we elevate their word above your word. Forgive us for that. Lord, forgive us for elevating people's opinion over your word not believing that your word is sufficient to get us from point A to point B to set us apart to be more like Jesus Christ, that we have all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness found inside your word. Lord, forgive us for uh, thinking of ourselves as, as victims when, when we're early, we, we are conquerors through you that loved us so very much, that your word does indeed have the answer to bring us out of any situation. Lord, forgive us for not allowing the equipping that you've gifted the church with. Forgive us for not allowing ourselves to be equipped in the ministry and the work of the church. Forgive, I pray, for those that, that, that forsake the assembling and run the fence line and, and seek the things of the world rather than the things of God. Lord, we need your forgiveness for allowing ourselves to be influenced by vain deceits and the rudiments of this world. Oh God, I pray for your people and I commend you, uh, them to you and ask that you would work a special work in our church, this Grace Baptist Church, this local assembly, that you would work in us a mighty work, that you would draw us close and help us to have a firm conviction, a firm respect and, and value of your word in our lives. Lord, I think of the teens as they go out to YouthCon this week. I pray that your word would be elevated in their lives and that you would help them get from point A to point B, that you would spiritually form them by your word, and that there would be growth. Pray that each day of this week that we as your people would be in your word and allowing uh, it to be a part of us and allowing you to build us up in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us 
to always turn to prayer, to reverence you, to reverence you as bigger than our problems, and to rest in your care. Lord, I need your help with that. And I'm pretty certain that all of us do. So Lord, help us, we pray. Thank you for Paul's message and time with the Ephesian elders. And I pray that you'd bless this word to our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.